Hi, I'm Ruby. And I'm Cody. And, and this is the swirl. the swirl. Well, good day, did everybody. We Let's take. <laughs> we did it. We're, we continue to do it, whether or not people want us to or not. <laughs> Listen, I feel like that might be a bumper sticker I need on my car. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, we did We're, it we, again. We are again, doing. We are again. out here. Doing it for the ourselves. We are doing it for right. ourselves. As you can tell... I wish I was hip enough to be like, I'm doing it for the culture. <laughs> well, hip-hop people always make everything sound so appealing. Like, look, I'm just... I'm rhyming these beats for the culture. And you're like, okay, right. I see you. But when I say right. it, it just sounds like... I, I'm asking my accountant to, like, check my mass market <laughs> mutual funds or whatever they're called. See, I can't even say that because I'm white and art culture just generally is kind of nonsense right now. Like, I, <laughs> like, and listen, I can say it. Like, I, we, no, I was, thank you I was, for saying it. It was really funny the other day, actually, I was at the coffee shop, and I was saying, you know, like, everybody is racist. Like, everyone is racist on some level. They're racist. And I was like, you know... I'm willing to admit that I'm racist uh, to a certain degree. And I was like, and but the people I'm most racist against are white people because they drive me crazy. They name their children things like Kimberlay and they spell it all weird. <laughs> and they, the, the scarves Kimberlay. and the fucking boots and the pumpkin spice and oh. the freaking, what do they call it? The shiplap thing with the home guard. I can't deal. It's a home and garden thing. I don't know. White people be cray. And so, um, I'm not, I'm never doing it for the culture. I'm most of the time standing out here feeling like, um, white people, can we just please just get it under control? (laughs) Well, you just spoke to something that I think about a lot. You know how, as you're, as you're growing up, your perspective changes and the things that you want change and the things that you find appealing change. When I was a kid, I feel like I was so oblivious to, to things like gardening or landscaping. You know, I'd be like, oh, that, yeah. that's, the campus looks pretty, but I wouldn't just be like, really, like, look at how the tiling. I just, and, and right. you know, for my friends who are adults now, and they're, like, spending their entire weekend, like, caulking things. I'm like, what, is, what even is that? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I... Like, it's it's hysterical. I think, like, you get to the certain place in life, and it's not just, like, age, it's kind of phase of life. I think you get married, and then you, like, think about things like, what color are we going to paint the bedroom, and will it match our beautiful uh, blanket that we have? And, and, um, and you get really boring. And, like, for example, Christmas is coming, and my husband's like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, last Christmas I asked for my wedding ring to be resized, okay. and this Christmas I want my car detailed. So, so- I think... I think I would like I would like to go back to being young um, and and not having a care in the world, which is funny because didn't you just get back from speaking to the youths of America? Didn't you just you you went and spoke at your old high school? I did. Like I mentor kids now and I've sort of like put myself in places where I could be of use to kids because just on a, a, a purely selfish reasoning, like as an as a minority uh, I think it's really super important for me to be in a room and to show... And just be seen. Yeah, that, like, literally just be seen. And to show that, like, I yep. I could be a professional, not to get too in the weeds, because, you know, I should probably say some stuff for the book. But, like, I got arrested when I was a teenager. Uh, I really could have gone down a really bad way. I made, like, a little... You know, I made a dumb... Right. There were different paths. Yeah, I made a, I made a dumb mistake, down. and I was actually able to bounce back from it. You know, so I've sort of yeah. never taken that for granted that I could have 
very easily been a statistic and somebody that's just in the system. And, you know, I, I was lucky to, to not have some, you know, something dopey follow me around for the, the rest of my life. Well, I was going to say the interesting thing about you is it's not even just what you're going you. So even before you even speak to some of these kids, you are by an example and just by existing, you're a really powerful message because you're an adult black man who is gay, mm-hmm. who's very successful, who is um, happy and vibrant and you have complete control of your life. Not all the time. Uh, we have some Reese's peanut butter cups stories uh, that and, we've shared. You know, and possibly some <laughs> sexual indiscretions, but really other than that we're flying but you're you're a grown-ass man right <laughs> so so before you even open your mouth you are such a powerful example right. so i was thinking of i was actually because i'm feeling really run down and sick and not feeling great about like the world mm-hmm. and so i knew what you were doing um this past week and i kept thinking like how awesome it would have been to be in the audience so that i could have a cody pep talk mm-hmm. so i was really curious like what did you tell the students and i'm asking out of complete selfishness sure. i want to know because i need a pep talk cody <laughs> So this is something that I've I've done uh, maybe every every year for the last five or six years. So, it, you know, in the time that I have become firmly a professional, I've been venturing up to my mentor's high school, which isn't my high school. Um, and I actually had oh, okay. an opportunity to visit my high school afterwards uh, this past week as well. And I hadn't been there in 17 years. So if you could just oh imagine emotionally like I walked through the hallway and like there was like the corner where I had my first kiss when I was a freshman in high school with a lot of a lot of great yeah. memories and a lot of the a lot of the people I went to high school with were now teachers at the school so it was very like trippy wow like, kind of I don't want to say you know I don't want to say inmates running asylum because they're capable adults right kind of freaked me out <laughs> like somebody mentioned somebody's last name and I was just like do you mean like so-and-so's mother? And they're like, no, like that person, that person is here in charge of that department. And I was like, what? Right. So um, at my mentor's high, uh, high school, when I was a kid, he used to come to my high school and he would talk to us about uh, the fact that you could um, have your own business and that you could, uh, you know, really sort of set your own path. And I'm in that, I'm in that same boat. So I'm walking into a room of... 20 something sophomores and, wow. and opening up my portfolio to them which is very uh-huh. personal like right like this is the this is the work that I've done and essentially right. just before doing anything else telling them my story and ultimately trying to communicate to them that the only limit is your heart and your hustle so, oh, totally. I, you know, one of the big things that my mentor talks about is, you know, work smarter, not harder. So, you know, we talk, mm-hmm. I, you know, talk about resources and things that they, things that they should be looking into, ways that they can be challenging themselves. Talked a lot about the fact that multitasking really isn't a thing. <laughs> so, right. I talked about how, you know, sometimes I'll be sitting on the couch with Netflix playing in the background, but you know, if I have an opportunity, I'm designing or I'm editing the podcast and. Just always trying to figure out new ways that I could sort of empower myself. But we really talked about how they're developing a skill set in high school that I had to go to college for. And Ah. because of that, they really should feel empowered to take this further than ever before. And I think the the biggest thing is uh, not letting other people determine your worth, which is something that I'm perpetually trying to learn in my life 
which is mm-hmm. we are the, the people, especially when you're creative, you're determining your worth. So it's very hard if you don't if you don't believe in yourself to set a rate for what you think you deserve, right? Right. Or, or to push back when somebody pushes back mm-hmm. on that rate or or says, oh, um, I didn't realize you were working that many yeah. hours it, and, and have that be like, well, my work is really yeah. good, isn't it? That's because good work takes mm-hmm. time. And being able to push back on that in a professional way, yeah. no, that definitely takes a lot of um, being self-aware and knowing your value, which is very difficult to do if you're putting the, your value in other yes. people's hands. Mm-hmm. Hmm, so that's a good reminder. So there's, there's that and, and also sort of the looking up the resources to make sure that you know what you're talking about in, in those those regards and that you can also share that with someone, you know. Um, mm-hmm. the, other, the other big thing is not being afraid of critique. Um, so one of the things that I, mm. I do is I offer myself up to them, you know, because they're looking at my portfolio and, you know, I might ask them for advice on what I have going on. Uh, but I also offer myself up for them to send me things throughout the year and, you know, to give them some idea of, you know, and not that there's a right or wrong answer, but like, are you on track? Are you on, are you on message? Are you on, right. uh, is your thing on fleek? Um, <laughs> and by the way, that is something that I love to, there's a moment where I, you know, I don't curse that often, but when I'm specifically mm-hmm. when I'm talking to the high schoolers, I will throw in an occasional curse and you'll see their eyes brighten up because you're like, oh, you're not allowed to do that when you're in a classroom. Mr. Cody right. is down. So, Mr. And Cody then I is do, down. I do the, like, I'm so sorry, guys. I forgot where I was. Like, I'll do that kind of thing. But then I'll slide <laughs> in like a little lingo. So at one point, I, met, I t- talked to them about something that happened when a, like a corporate, like a company um, messaged me about like being on a TV show once. And I was like, oh, you yeah. know, so they like slid in my DMs and were just like, hey, do you want to come be on this TV show? And they just like, I, it's so funny to see somebody be like, he gets us. Like, and it was so funny. And my, yeah, my yeah. mentor is in the back of the classroom, just like shaking his head like these effing kids. Like, because I'm literally <laughs> saying nothing that he doesn't tell them every single day because he told me. <laughs> right, but it just translates. Different. It's like parenting, it really, though. Really does, yeah. My kid doesn't listen to me. I mean, he does, right? But he he fights me a lot. But he will. My mom can get him in line in two seconds. It's just because it's a different person, and they mm-hmm. hear you differently, and it filters differently. I mean, it's like when your parents tell you you're pretty. You're like, okay, right. you know, like you're supposed to say that. Um, or or like a friend of yours tells you that they love a graphic design um, thing that you're doing. Um, I have a friend who's trying to start a business. He's trying to start a barbecue place, and he's really frustrated. Frustrated because every person he gives his barbecue to to taste goes, oh my god, this is amazing, and he's like, no, somebody tell me yeah, this is a bad idea. Tell me there's a little too much vinegar. Tell, tell me there's enough molasses. Like, yeah. I don't trust that. I I I much rather somebody right. say like, oh, you're almost there. That makes me feel better. That makes me right. feel like okay, you know, yeah. give, give me something to work with here. But you can't have people be flowery about it all the time, and and specifically when you're. Right. In, in a creative position like graphic design, people are always going to have an opinion. Like, I could never talk to my friends who are nurses or 
uh, plumbers and be like, I don't know if you know you should have used the Allen wrench on that. But for what I, for right, what I do, right. somebody's gonna be like, can we try this? And, and and that's and that's fine. Right. You know, hopefully I can articulate to somebody why I think my approach is better. But you have to leave yourself open to be able to um, accept that critique because it will always come. Speaking of being a, being an adult, oh, it's like yeah. a paint swatch. You know, it's like uh, this this. This uh, this yellow is too mustard. You know, like somebody's gonna have something to say about it, and it's that part of it's ridiculous. The nice thing about I think, I think the nice thing about getting older slash having more experience is that that kind of stuff becomes less devastating. And for me, my hypothesis or my guess about my own behavior is like there are things I sure. am very passionate about, but like I don't have the bandwidth to go to war over oh, every gosh. little minuscule yeah. thing, like. It's like, if you don't like that font, mm-hmm. we'll change the font, it's fine. Like, it's not, at the end of the day, like, I just want to do good work. I want it to get out there and I want it to see the light of day. I don't want to go 500 rounds about, like, the placement of the one, like, box and yeah. how translucent you're it so is. Right, you're so, so right about that um, aspect, let's say, childhood to adulthood, which is, like, you really do pick your battles because you have to protect your soul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, when I, the one saving grace about going to a high school and kind of seeing all this stuff uh, all over again from this side of the, you know, this side of the fence. Because as a kid, you're just like, oh my God, they're they're so adult. They're so mature. And then you get there and you're like, what is this? Right. And now as an adult, I'm like, I wouldn't go back to this. Uh, it's... Yeah, yeah, a million years. All about and, and as adults, none of us have our no. shit together. Everybody's You know, like it. when you were a teenager, you probably... Oh, all of us. And you know, that's kind of terrifying when you think no. about doctors. <laughs> everybody's, like, fa- everybody's faking it for doctors. Do you know doctors. what I'm saying? Like, Please tell me the doctors aren't faking it. <laughs> I mean, they, they go to a lot of school and they have a lot of... They have a lot of stop gaps to make sure they don't screw up that bad. But man, most oh, people... they don't like most criticism, of us, by the way. You know, I think about that every time... <laughs> I think about this every time I go get my hair cut because I think, you know, everybody's entitled to have a bad day every once in a while. Please, dear baby Jesus in the manger, let this not be the day that my hairstylist woke up and had a bad morning. Let her be feeling like super happy and inspired and refreshed because Lord knows I don't need a bad cut. You are saying this because I, you know, I'm at a a spot where uh, on my drive back to DC, I thought about it. I said, oh my gosh, I have been a professional for 17 years it didn't it just didn't mm-hmm. really like click and then you have a day like i had this past week and i was like oh wow like maybe i maybe i do know what i'm doing like maybe i should hold myself in in a higher scene but i think <sighs> we're constantly going through the situation and we're kind of evaluating our evaluating ourselves as if we are novices and we actually have progressed yes like, i'm not i'm not a first yes. year out of college anymore. Like, far from it. It occurred to me the other day. Right, the other day it occurred to me I was cleaning my kitchen and I thought, holy shit, someone pays me to write. I'm a writer. I'm a writer. So when I was a kid, always thinking like, one day I want to write, I want to write, I want to write. Like, sure. Sometimes I'm just writing reports and things that are going to be in a B2B, business-to-business situation. I'm not writing the novel that I want to write yet. But that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I'm not actually a writer. And so it's kind of you – I'm very hard on myself. So it's very hard to have kind of an objective view of who I am. And like you're saying, I have to start giving myself the kudos that I deserve. Um, But that's why you and I have each other to remind each other. Like, no, you're a goddamn professional. And you put out beautiful 
work and you work really hard um, and you are super amazing and anybody would be lucky to work with you or uh, for you or well, have you so work much. for them. So um, um, I'm glad the yeah, kids were yeah, inspiring I th- I, for you. I think on, on like a final note, uh, one of the big things I talked to them about was designing your life, right? So I have been fortunate enough to... There have been times in my life where I did not like where I was. I did not like the place I was. I did not like what I saw happening. And I made a conscious effort, even if I couldn't just full stop, to make incremental changes to get to the point where I, I want to be. I'm in that situation right now. New employment, who dis? Um, <laughs> where it's like, oh, yeah. do you, you don't like the role you're in? Okay, it's up to you to, to change it. So is that weight? Is that a relationship? Is that family? Whatever it is. So I stood before them and I said, this is your moment to start thinking about what you want this thing to look like. And I, and I simply said, I was a five-year-old playing with Crayola crayons. I was a nine-year-old showing my dad how I would recreate comic book characters, right? Like I'm drawing, I'm just drawing my favorite comic book characters on a piece of paper and running up to my parents and showing them. And now, like, I do that. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that to me is like so dope. Like, there was a part of me, my, you know, my entire life that kind of knew this is what I wanted to do. And then around 15 or 16, there was a part of me that said, you know, like, this would be really cool to do in an entertainment way right like oh what could i what how could i apply this in entertainment yeah. and then when i was 21 and i was becoming more worldly it's how can i do this in a way that would help in a political sphere like it's just so fun you know and then when i was 26 it became how right. can i do this in a way that like educates the public about important health issues it's just like every right. step of the way like where my understanding was it's this thing is adaptive for me so i you know i'm trying to tell them like just whatever you're doing mm. like apply what you're passionate about to the thing that you're passionate about. And say yes to yourself. Because I think that's a big that's a big thing that is a, a through line in your story. Is there were so many opportunities where you could have said no. No. I'm not going to do X, Y, Z thing. I'm not going to leave my, my, my neighborhood that I'm comfortable in. I'm not going to move to Washington. I'm you're, not going to, you know. You, you've said yes to yourself. And that's such a powerful. Like I said, your example is a very powerful example. And I'm certainly grateful I get to stand near it on a weekly basis. So I'm really excited for you and I'm glad you got to talk to those kids and I'm I, I too am feeling a little bit more well, inspired. You. So and I'm, I don't like talking about myself. So every time I have to do this, it's suddenly like, okay, you have to stand in this. You can't there are times to be humble and then there are times mm-hmm. to say like, No, you 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 might be the shit. Um <laughs> and I wrestle with that all you, the time. Yeah, you are the shit. I, this was a very nice week yeah. to just man, like Like I said, I hadn't been to my old high school in 17 years, and I was walking through those halls, and I was like, this is familiar, and at the same time, not at all. You know, like, so much of it's changed, and I've changed. Did you run through the halls of your high school? (laughs) Did you scream at the top of your If I would have done that, they would have uh, run me out on the rail. They would have said, like, we have an incident here. Yes. Officer, excuse me, officer, <laughs> officer. And, I, and like a, I sort of said man. on social media, like, they all but threw me out of that place. They were like, you have to go back in the day. So right. it was nice of them to have me back. And um, yeah, life is funny. That's it, awesome. It, you really do, uh, if you're out, if you're looking for the signs and, and the messages, they, they appear. They really, really do. So there was some stuff this week that was just right on time for what I needed. And I'm very grateful for it. 
and I'm grateful for you. So that's awesome. I'm really excited. Say so yes yeah, say yourself. yes to yourself, y'all. And that's, um, that, that, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. We're dropping gems. Design your all life. Over the place. Design your life. Right. Yeah, you, y'all just need and to And on that up. note, um, <laughs> we will be back in just a moment with this week's Here For It. Are you here for it? So Cody's had like an amazing week and um, I'm sure he's here for many things. And so I'm really excited to see what he whittled down. What what made the cut? What are you here for this week, Cody? What a week, what a week. <laughs> so I recently mentioned during our Here For It segment that I am a big fan of these Twitter wars between restaurants and, uh, you know, different brands. Uh-huh. But... Recently, uh, the CEO of Papa John, Sean Snatter, he slammed the NFL and Roger Goodell over the kneeling protests, right? So yeah. he called them a debacle. He said something to the effect of, like, leadership starts at the top, and this is an example of poor leadership. Mm. Uh, he uh, said during a uh, conference call uh, with his investors, and he went on to say that the NFL has hurt us by not resolving the current debacle to the players and the owner's satisfaction. And, mm. and because of it, the NFL had hurt Papa John's, Papa John's stakeholders. So he attributes the sales slump that his company is experiencing to NFL players who are kneeling to protest police brutality. And I just wanted to say that in the words of the movie Mean Girls, they don't even go here. Right. But like, yeah. like, how does he feel about the debacle of 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 black bodies being shot in the street, black children being shot? <laughs> like, like, like your no. shit, your shitty pizza is more important yes. than the lives of our fellow Americans who are suffering at the hands of a uh, brutal police uh, state. Okay, okay, I got it. I'm Papa so John. glad you said that because I got it, Papa John. <laughs> you know that he's scapegoating these NFL players. But they run balls. Like, they don't throw cardboard in the shape of airplanes with shitty tomato sauce spread on Right, right, you know? right. And when I think about it, I've had more appealing slices of Elio's pizza as a kid, even after it dropped on the ground and got covered in dog hair. Right. But, yeah. So I just wanted to say that, like, maybe it was the, quote, official pizza company of the NFL, unquote, donating money to Donald Trump's presidential campaign, or oh, I don't perhaps, know, it was when perhaps. the CEO... Ta- perhaps. <laughs> or, you know, maybe it was during the uh, ACA Obamacare days when the CEO said that imp- offering health care to his employees would add 10 to 25 cents to the cost of each pizza, and he just mm-hmm, couldn't have that. Mm-hmm. Couldn't offer his employees health care. And, yeah. uh, you know, so it's not that he hasn't provided himself with bad press over the last couple of years, but Maybe anyone over the age of eight who realized that truly good food doesn't have to be doused in vats of garlic sauce in order to be edible uh, realized that, hey, this isn't good pizza. Say that again for the people in the back. (laughs) Okay. So either way, the company DiGiorno took notice, letting them know that their sales were in fact up and appropriately dragged Papa John's for hours. And the kicker... (laughs) The kicker, you see what I did there? Yeah. (laughs) Sports! He did it, you guys! There was a sports metaphor and I didn't even catch it. What is happening (laughs) on this on this podcast? Oh Oh my god. The kicker. The kicker is such a man right now. (laughs) The kicker is they've been subtweeting uh, Papa John's after a while because Papa John's plagiarized a tweet of theirs last year. Oh (laughs) jeez. So three days after DiGiorno 
uh, tweeted, keep your friends close and your pizza closer. Papa John's just did the same tweet and took off the DiGiorno's hashtag that was at the end of it. That is an oh, no, no. What the hell? Oh, no, no. Three days? Oh, no, no. So DiGiorno Pizza retweeted them and said, if only copying our rising crust were this easy. (laughs) Ah, I'm about it. So then to up it to, like, savage levels, DiGiorno updated their Twitter bio and adapted Papa John's slogan to change theirs to better pizza, better sales. It's (gasps) DiGiorno. (laughs) Oh, my God. Damn. DiGiorno is petty as hell. I'm here for that. I like it. I'm here for that. So the house rules when I was growing up was, go where you're celebrated and not where you're tolerated. And with that being said, I added a DiGiorno's pizza to my freezer this week. And let this be a crystal clear example of the sadder elements of our society. The point is, as Puff Daddy once said, if you're mad, don't blame me, blame your manager. At no point is the CEO admitting that they are serving a subpar product. And why would they? It's way easier to scapegoat and weaponize yourself against a marginalized community. (sighs) What's next? Will a movie star try to deflect from sexually assaulting a child by coming out of the closet? Oh, wait. (gasps) (laughs) Man. I just want to point out the madness, right? Yeah. As of this recording, Papa John's finally broke their silence and added to their Twitter bio, frozen pizza equals the pizza equivalent of a participation trophy. So, in their eyes, the people who are protesting for equality are seen as coddled youth, while they, at the same time, try to lure those people back in with a dog whistle? How does that work? So, well, because we're in the eternal hell that is 2017, (laughs) white supremacists, alt-right, are now talking about making Papa John's their official pizza. When the white supremacists support you, are you in, like, a good place? I think they might, they might be in the sunken place, Ruby. Yeah, or the uh, or the upside down. <laughs> so all I know is this: you play stupid games, you receive stupid prizes, <laughs> and that is what I'm here for this week. I would like to go on record as saying that I goddamn love frozen pizza. I think <laughs> it is like the best, and I I seriously love frozen pizza. It is better. I've had a couple good ones. Hell yeah, frozen pizza yeah. for life. So now, Ruby. Now that I've shared with you uh, my loathing for Papa John's, please let me know. What are you here for this week? Well, I am here for a wonderful column that was written by one of my favorite tweeters and writers, Lizzie O'Leary. She wrote a column for The Cut called The The Things I Shrugged Off Then Horrify Me Now. And it's a really honest uh, laying bare of the different things that have happened in her career as a journalist from being a very young uh, journalist starting out in radio, going all the way through to now where she's kind of working with Marketplace and NPR, and she is in charge. She's now one of the superiors in the the organizations that she works in. And um, it's just a conversation. Uh, the opening question is, what do you do when the big bank CEO calls your hotel room at 11 p.m.? We were at the same resort for a conference. We were friendly. But why did he need to know what I was doing at that hour? How did he even get my room number? And so... It's kind of a walking through in a not naming names way of the ways that women in a, in a workplace bump up against the power structure and the patriarchy that works in a workplace and how it kind of robs you of your autonomy and your ability to push back. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the most important lines for me, um, she says... 
She So one of the most important parts is she says, I've covered everything from local zoning to meetings at the White House, and every step of the way I've had to carve extra time and effort out of my work to sidestep this recurring gray area. None of the individual instances quite constituted harassment, but all of them were exhausting to navigate. And looking back, I can't believe what I've put up with. And she, of course, goes on to talk about the very black and white um, times where she was put into situations that were inappropriate, but that there is this gray area that exists within workplace sexual harassment where women are made to feel um, powerless, taken advantage of, and, and the non-scientific way that I would describe it is like that icky feeling you get when someone just says something or looks at you a funny way. And so um, I really appreciated this calling out of the gray area of sexual harassment in the workplace, but also giving it um, giving it this this space where we can talk about how it, it, it robs women of emotional, um, bandwidth and effort and having to making, being sure where that, you know, who you can deal with in an appropriate way and who's inappropriate. And then thinking about how to get out of situations without being a troublemaker. And she talks about that too. And, and I've, as a woman who's been in professional circumstances where men have said off color things to me that I've had to laugh off, where men have touched me in, um, inappropriate ways without my consent. Um, and, and not knowing when I was, when it was appropriate sometimes to be the trouble maker and and how many times you can bring something up without feeling like the men in the room think you're crying wolf so i really really loved this um this column that that lizzie o'leary wrote for the cut and we'll be sharing it on our facebook and our twitter feeds um but i am here for lizzie o'leary i am here for this ongoing conversation that women are having um calling out sexual harassment and i just want to say too what's really fascinating about this article is she she doesn't say anybody's names but she mentions mm-hmm. a congressman who is now a senator or mm-hmm. a high-powered journalistic person. And I think in that alone, we can see, th- like, if there wasn't a patriarchal threat of her being mm-hmm. – um, uh, in her career being harmed by calling out some of the sexual harassment, then she she would have been able to say those names. But she right. didn't. And so that in itself is a statement. And so I'm really – I'm here for – And then the, it also shows how pervasive it is. And it's so pervasive, which is what is so exhausting um, about living in this news cycle is it's very mm-hmm. triggering for those of us who've been um, assaulted and harassed or have been in situations that have been more, you know, quote unquote, icky. Um, right. And so uh, I just really appreciate it. I thought this was a really wonderful um, column and it was a fresh way of describing what a lot of us are going through and how often even these powerful women in journalism like Lizzie O'Leary are looking back with regret on places where they feel like their power was robbed from them. And so it gives me heart because I'm very hard on myself for not saying things when um, I've been taken advantage of. And so um, it's definitely a conversation we need to keep having. So I am here for that. Well, I agree with that. And thank you, because I would love to see that and be able to share that on my own as well. Well, everybody, in just a few moments, we'll be back with this week's Q&A. It's Ruby's pick this week, and I can't wait to hear it. And even with being sick, I still got like the like in Pitch Perfect where she can she can hit the bottom notes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They they call they call that you had a little your voice was a little husky. I am. I'm definitely feeling husky. It's very resonant. My body my body type is also very husky, so I think it's (laughs) good. All right, do you want me to stop? We want to keep going. Just be like she's a brick house. Oh hell yeah! There's always acceptance over here on our side. 
Come on home, girl. Come on home. Thick thighs save lives is all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Are you ready to solve people's problems? I'm ready to solve people's problems. Badly? Poorly? Well, always. We solve them okay. so badly. <laughs> I just want to be we're, sure. We're, listen, we're just out here doing our best. That's all you can ask from us, and that's all I'm, we're asking I'm, of you. So not a this, license to anything. Yeah, hell no. <laughs> Except a license pain in the ass. Oh, this week, we're getting a letter from um, Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Dear Cody and Ruby, last week, an old college friend got married. We aren't, that, we aren't in close touch anymore, but I do keep up with him on social media, which is, how, which is how I saw his beautiful wedding on Instagram. When I went to check in on him on Facebook, I noticed that we were no longer friends. I was really hurt that someone I spent so much time with in college had unfriended me. I was also confused. As far as I know, I have not done anything to directly or indirectly offend. Other than processing my feelings, what can I do? Is it weird to be so hurt by something online? Thanks, unsportsmanlike conduct. Woo! Hello, unsportsmanlike conduct. I will say, this was the hardest lesson of my 20s. Mm. Uh, There was a person, uh, a, a lady that was in my life... And we were really, really close for years. And then she met a man, and I think he was threatened. I don't want to say threatened, but he was uncomfortable. Okay. That we had maintained a a friendship after many years of romance and friendship and kind of going back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. And at, at some point, she disconnected. Oh. And it really, really hurt. And uh, I remember seeing their... Uh, wedding announcement in in the newspaper, and oh. I and I and I sent a gift, and uh, gift may have come back. Oh no! Uh, and and I remember talking to my dad about it, and he said she made a commitment to this person, and you have to respect that. So I had yeah. to step way back, even though in my heart it was a loss. It was a big, big loss at the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, and in the last few years. Um, uh, we somehow we became friends on Facebook. So I still have not, I've, I haven't seen this person in 15 years, maybe. Wow. But we, like maybe every couple months she may write me and just ask how are things going and vice versa, which is very nice to have, you know, cause it was, it was a loss at the time. Yeah. To sort of have that back in a way. But I don't think we're ever going to see each other again. And yeah. uh, and it's interesting kind of watching like, oh, like she has kids now and they have a home and she's c- clearly a really great mother. And at one point she apologized um, and she just said that, you know, she really needs to take that step and that, you know, this relationship was holding her back from becoming herself. Can't be mad at it. Right. So I, I, I say all that to say that while it is difficult, it's a part of this process. And I think just because you aren't in someone's life right now, it doesn't, that doesn't mean forever, if you're fortunate. Um, at, at the same point, it, it's all, it's, as long as it's healthy, it's about that couple maintaining the structure that works for them. Right. Yeah, I, I think... I, I think it's hard. I'm kind of I'm I myself am struggling with letting go of some toxic relationships, mm-hmm. and um, even though I know they're not right for me, and I know that they're toxic 
and they're harmful. I'm still mourning that, you know, it's, I'm still mourning the loss of, of, of a relationship or connection, um, that I used to have or, or that I have with somebody. So, um, I would say like, it's totally normal to mourn the loss of somebody in, and, and I would say too, that like your online life is an extension of your real life. And so I don't think you should feel silly for feeling bad or upset that you've been like kind of disconnected from somebody. Um, and I'm sorry you don't have an explanation for why this person has cut you out. So, um, I hope that you give yourself the grace and space to work through whatever feelings that you have about this. Um, and the, and this, the, the obvious answer is, is the simple one, right? Which is they, they're letting, they're kind of letting you know, I have, I have a a friend, I shouldn't even be saying this. (laughs) (laughs) We have, we have a male friend here in DC. Like I have this like big social club and he got engaged and then we, we never saw him again. None of us, none of us were invited to the wedding. He didn't come to any events. Oh my Uh, gosh. Like he, he maybe stays in contact with one of the 12 guys and, and that, like, so he, his, his wife clearly sort of laid down, like, when you're grown up, you, you're no longer with those guys. Yeah. And I, don't, and I don't, and I don't know how in a relationship, let's say if you set those parameters, if the person won't come back to resent you later. So. Right. Writer, you might hear from this person sooner than later. I'm just saying. Because yeah. when there's, when you're in a relationship there is give and take, I would assume. I've never had a successful one. I'm assuming this is how adults behave. But when you throw out ultimatums or you set these like ground rules, that you can only swing that pendulum but so far. Yeah. Uh, so let's say, you know, maybe this this was a concession that this person's spouse made to make them happy. Perhaps they don't they don't want to do it. Perhaps they just want to keep, you know, keep that from being an argument. Or maybe or, they just found your posts about your cat annoying. You know, like that's possible that too. Happens. It doesn't have to be that heavy. <laughs> and, and I and I have to say, it's the thing about social media that's really, really tough is I have some people in my life who I really love and adore, but I hate their social media. You can just say it's me, Cody. You can just say no. it to my face. No, I'm just messing. I'm Definitely. just messing. <laughs> Definitely not you. But, you know, I, 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 have, a, I have a family member... Whenever his his posts come across my feed, it's literally nothing but women twerking. So, like, if oh. you just imagine, like, I'm at work and all of a sudden it's like booty, 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 rocking everywhere, like on the screen, and I'm just like, I, I can't. There was just a photo of somebody's cat. Like, that's <laughs> too extreme. Um, so, I, you know, there are people who I, you know, I discommunicate from social media just because, uh, you know, maybe I don't need to have 800 friends. I don't right. know. I don't, I, we, right. we don't know that person's intentions entirely, but I will say that it, just in life in general, there's some people that, uh, some people, I don't want to say outweigh their usefulness. <laughs> That's right. horrible, but it's, uh, their people are definitely in your life for a reason, season or a lifetime. Right. And I feel like you don't need to chase anybody down. If someone wants to be around with you, they're going to be around you. And it might be hurtful and it might be hard, but let those people go. Don't yeah. let them drag you and don't try to hold on because let's let go or be dragged, right? Let go or be dragged. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I got well, dragged for a while. So let me tell you, don't, don't yeah. do it to yourself. Don't do it to yourself. 
All right. Well, it's time for Cody to take us to church. Good luck with all of that unsportsmanlike conduct. Cody, tell us, what is the good word this week? Oh my gosh, I almost forgot that we had we had a good word to do. <laughs> I was oh. like, We're, aren't we done? No. Ruby's on uh, top of her shit today. Man, broken Treat clock please. is right twice a day, <laughs> and I appreciate you for that, Ruby. <laughs> uh, this week's good word comes from Alexander Den Heiser. Um, right. And uh, it's, it's worth Googling. It's very pretty. Um, but <laughs> I, love, I love this quote, which reads, When a flower doesn't bloom... You fix the environment in which it grows, not the flower. <gasps> Whoa. Mm-hmm. I'm giving a lot of side eye over here. All Just right. Saying. I have... When that rose grows out of concrete, you know, it was meant to be. <laughs> I, I am gleaning. I'm gleaning a lot of wisdom from this episode. I hope our listeners did, too. I have I'm a lot to a think lot of about. Shots it. in this episode. I need to go journal a little bit, all right? Write down some intentions, burn some sage, and, and, and like, primal scream this shit out. Maybe twerk a little bit, but I will not Perhaps. post it on your Facebook wall. Um, with, with that, you guys know the deal. The party doesn't end. It just relocates. Thanks for joining us again this week. Shout out to our pod squad, Tim and Justine. Y'all are the best. And we love all of our listeners. Follow us at Swirl Podcast on all social channels. Email us, listener clapback and Q&A, swirlpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, with that, I think we're just going to send it off and send you guys lots of love. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.